to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N Tulsa.org. James chapter 4, 13 through 17. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such, and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So Father, would you open our eyes to see from a greater perspective? Would you open our eyes to see with wisdom that this speaks of? Um, to see from your perspective about our lives. We, we, we struggle and we're prone to think about our life being just about us. From, from little babies to toddler years to teen years to adulthood, we still struggle with making it all about ourselves and our desires. And Father, uh, we don't have a God-centered perspective many times. Would you give us wisdom to live by? Would you help us to think through what we're living for, and how we're living. Thank you for your word, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us through that and that he would enable us and empower us to live in the righteousness that Christ imputed us so we don't walk away today with a a list of five things to just go do, but that the Holy Spirit would empower us, as Jason just prayed, that by one glory to another, by gazing at Christ, beholding the glory of the Lord, that we would be changed. Thank you for that hope that we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for standing. You can be seated. So um, hopefully you may have taken some time this week to pause and look back and to remember um, what God has done. Whether your past year was uh, filled with success and gain or maybe even difficulty and loss and trial, um, you can ascribe praise and glory to God. Um, hopefully still see God's grace in life. Um, when we get to January 1st, I like to tr- try to help people think through that question, what matters most? Um, hopefully not just uh, what is success in, in our minds, but um, first, what areas are most important? And then what does faithfulness in those areas look like? And so I have a little diagram. I went through this book called Essentialism. Um, and so he, I'm stealing a little bit from him in this. I changed it, modified it. But if you look at that circle on the light there, uh, on the right, on the left, the circle on the left, um, many of us live that out. We have our life going on as the circle, and we have these little bitty arrows where we're trying to do many things. And sometimes we're trying to do 15 or 20 things. But you get to the end of a week, you get to the end of a month, you get to the end of six months, and you look back, and it feels like, I don't know that I'm seeing a difference. 
I don't know that I'm really enjoying life to a deeper place. And so sometimes we're doing all of these things, 15 or 20 things that we're working on, and we're doing them all at about a 15 or 20% fulfillment rate or a 10 to 15% enjoyment rate even. And so um, this idea of, of, of thinking through the same amount of energy and focus and resources and time can go into the circle on the right if you, if you landed on and said, I want to make sure that what I'm living my life in, and so thinking through the big picture, but then allowing that to dictate the practical living, that, hey, what if there's three or four major things that we should be living for? Three or four major things. And if I get those right at the end of a week, man, it feels incredible to go, I wasn't perfect. I, I, I didn't have a sinless week. But you know what? With, with my spouse, with my kids, with my family, man, I feel like I was faithful to the Lord. What, what does that feel like? Because one thing, one of those big things being my faithfulness to God himself, that's a huge one. My, my, my wife, my spouse, my family, my kids, my workplace, whether that's staying at home and, and discipling little children, whether that's serving my neighbors, whether that's going into a corporate job and, and, and the people that you work around, man, I was faithful in this. And sometimes we're just spinning our wheels with 15 to 20 things, and like I said, at the end of a week or a month, it's just kind of this drudgery. And so what would that be like and feel like to have three or four things that matter the most and to be hitting those at like an 85 or 90% faithfulness? And sadly, in our culture, um, if you were to take one of those two or three or four things that you said, okay, I've got to land on what matters most a week later, it may not be that everyone around your life can see the fruit of that immediately, right? Maybe it's, man, just, just my devotions with the Lord. Uh, and, and out of that, I'll probably treat my wife better. I'll treat my husband better. And I'll probably respond with my children better. And I'll probably have more patience and grace with family members, with, with coworkers, just because of abiding in Christ. And so in that, um, just, just one big thing, and at the end of a week or at the end of a month, you, you begin to feel like, man, I wasn't perfect, but faithfulness, that's what I want to live for. Instead of just doing 15 to 20 things at 10% capacity, 15% capacity, and always feeling like uh, it's not fulfilling. Why is this not fulfilling? I've worked this long to get to this point. I got a degree, or I went into the workforce, and I'm doing all these things, and it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm still missing it. And, and, and part of this come from years and years and years uh, at Grace Baptist and Tahlequah. But once we got to Tulsa, meeting with all these guys, and every single guy that I would meet with, whether it was small group leaders or men in that group, and I would have lunch with them, um, when you got to know them a little bit better, they were killing it. They lived in beautiful neighborhoods. They, they had incredible vehicles and vacations and, and lifestyles and clothes, and their kids went to the greatest schools, and everything looked great. And then after you built some trust, then things come out about, well, actually, man, no one knows, but here's what the marriage is like. And sometimes that's six weeks. Sometimes that's six months. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't done any time in the Word or Scripture memory. I used to do that in college, and I, I guess just I got so busy with life and career and kids and hobbies and responsibility. And so um, just seeing, man, man, guys are 
just at a low state. And what's funny is you could see them with out in a circle of friends, and they're, they're ah, things are great, things are great. And then you get alone with them, and man, there's it's like these just young boys in, with insecurities that are in a 50-year-old man's body, a 60-year-old man's body, just an insecure little boy who has a lot of frustrations and unfulfillment in life because maybe he's just been trying to kill himself on that little circle. And so I began to think through, what does faithfulness look like? Not getting more things done, but instead get the most important things done. And so that's what we're going to be trying to look at and trying to help you see today. And so um, big picture perspective. I wanted to share some big picture perspective. This is a Proverbs 69. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You've probably experienced that, haven't you? If you're, it's, it's kind of like, that's, that's like one of those weird things in the Bible where you're like, yeah, that sounds good, but I'd sure like to know that when I plan my steps, it's going to go my way. You know, it's like, it's good, God, that you're su- su- providing that security and everything, but man, I sure would like it to go my way. And this kind of says it may not, and you're still going to be in control. I sure would like control, God. And so in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. When Jamie and I were um, at a church plant in Northwest Arkansas, I'm glad we went through perspectives class. We went through, we, we felt like that God was leading us to go overseas. And so we joined this group called the traveling team. And to be a part of the traveling team, you have to leave your jobs. And you have to go and sit down with couples or churches or organizations. And you ask them to come on your monthly support team. And I think they wanted us to get up to about 5,000 a month. And so you're starting with zero. And you can't quit your jobs until you get to a certain level. So we met like with 40 or 50 appointments, dinners and stuff, and meeting with people. And, and a lot of people really struggle. They'll have like 10 meetings with people, and they've got like $20 commitment so far. Like, you know, 10 couples and like $20 a month. That's, this is, this is going to take a while. And so ours went really, really well. In fact, I didn't even want to share with some other people who were having a hard time. Like, man, ours, every time we were meeting with people, they were going $50 or $100. We had one couple that could just come on immediately for like four or five hundred and so that kind of bumps you up and so then another couple for 200 or 300 and so ours is going really really well and we go on this first mission trip and it just is a disaster and we end up coming back to the states and for three to four to five months i was reading the bible praying and it felt like everything i was doing was about hitting the ceiling and i and i just would sit every day going man god I'm trying. A lot of people would have never left their jobs and insurance and, and planned on going to the Muslim world. And, and then with um, some things that happened on this trip, why did you allow all the support raising to go well? Why did you allow all the steps that I planned to seem like they were going well? And we didn't do it. We, we, we were very cautious. Like we're pretty slow and cautious. We pray a lot about things. We don't do things like when somebody says, hey, Friday, would you like to do this? Like we're, we're pretty, you know, like careful about shifting whole life. And so when you pray for many months, and maybe years, and then you start taking these cautious steps, and you're very careful, and and then it blows up in your face. It seems like it does. Where's God in that? What did we do wrong? What did God do wrong? And so, um, again, this is kind of reassuring, but also difficult. A man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Um, 2020 uh, for a lot of people around our, our own country, but around the world, man, it, it wasn't just like like you know you're throwing a curveball. 
it was like there's no ball there's no park there's no people there's no one in the stands like it, it's just all exited like this is this weird weird setup like it wasn't just a small twist and so just a very weird um year um in 2020, so we, we do this thing in January where we'll be praying up in November and December and just thinking through, so where's our family at? We try to look at you know how are our boys doing, how are we doing? Um, are there things that need to shift and we need to make some changes? And so we were looking at our boys who are, uh, and we're always thinking through you know relationally and socially. How are they doing? Um, also academically, how are they doing? Like with uh, intellectual and uh, academically mental aspects. Um, then emotionally, how are they doing? Um, then if they're in athletics and stuff, physically, how are they doing? Are there any things that we're seeing about that where they're falling behind or anything? But then spiritually, it's a huge thing. And so measuring those things, and we were going, man, we're looking to and seeing about doing a pretty radical shift where Jamie would possibly leave her job that she loved there at Bigsby with all the families and all the, the kids that she loved being a part of and our boys. And so maybe one doing epic and her doing that with them, then one staying in the big schools, and then maybe one going to like a STEM school and looking at the cost of that and like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. The pandemic hits, we start taking all the steps, days and days, weeks and weeks, money and money to do all these steps for her to do beyond epic and all these things. And she goes through all the processes and all the tests and everything. And we're talking to the boy and nope, 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 nope. She gets said, yes, you're good, but you're on this bench. We don't have enough kids for you to meet with and then out of the blue we get a call from this place and now to see in, in a year's time we ordered our steps and none of those worked out but we're sitting here going we're in a place where we could have never imagined being as far as some of the relationships some of the families that we've been uh, brought into with our boys just seeing some things some flourishing aspects academically and spiritually where they're enjoying just the the chapel times and the relationships uh, we were measuring our boys relationships and since sojourn doesn't have a formal youth group or a, a kids ministry like hey where are some kids that are spiritually going in the same direction around around them not just sports wise and now to see man there's two or three or four really good friends who are concerned about the Lord's will. And so that's a beautiful thing. And so th those are things that you just look at and you go, um, I can't even plan that out. That was something that we would never be able to even plan out. That was just a, there's no way this will happen. And so sometimes it's good things that will still be difficult. It doesn't make things easy, but you go, man, God, look, look what you've done. Um, the next verse there says, teach us to number our days and what that number our days means us pausing and contemplating a humbling intentionality just a humbling intentionality like it's not all about me car wrecks strokes accidents uh, cancer just it just comes and, and it's like our existence wasn't that significant on the whole global scale so teach us to number our days. Help us to gain wisdom, godly wisdom. And then that last verse says, you make known to me the path of life. So thinking through this, this idea that I think I already know what life trajectory looks like. Sankey's life trajectory. I think I know what I want. You may think you know what you want. here. So here's this plan in your head. Here's the way things should go. Here's the way things should go. Here's the way things And this is actually saying, you make known to me the path of life. 
What if that's it? Not Sankey, trajectory, plan, Jesus, come on, let's go, let's go, Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's, let's quote it, let's, let's, uh, we don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but man, it sure does feel good, here's Sankey's life trajectory plan, make it happen, make it happen, I just Christianized Sankey's life trajectory plan, and this is saying, you make known to me, not Sankey's life plan, your path, the path of life, and it may look completely different than what your life trajectory plan looks like. What you've always thought your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s were going to look like. Um, you make known to me the path of life. And in that, when, in finding that in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And so when we go back to those circles. What if doing all those little things is not producing fulfillment and enjoyment, and especially not finding enjoyment in, in God himself, because his word is clear. He is this high and exalted, fulfilling thing. And so does your heart and your life line up with that? In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And I will tell you, probably several times a year, I will get to places, even studying, or even when I was going through seminary, reading all these books and books and papers and going, this is not true of my heart. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And obviously, it's not like, say, God, you're kind of lacking this month. You've kind of dropped the ball. You've lowered the standard. You're not doing as much. You're not, you know, you're not doing enough to f fulfill me. No, it's saying my heart needs to be rescued again, reminded again. I need to be amazed by grace again. I need to be amazed at that verse 4, but God in his mercy. And so, God, would you take my heart back to that? And it doesn't do it within an hour sometimes. Sometimes it's two or three days, but to think through that, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So on this idea of what matters most, we want to learn to align our practical living with our aspirational ideas of loving God, loving others, and faithfulness to that. So as we approach the new year, it's a natural time to pause and look at that. Um, I kind of enjoy taking that time to, um, like I said, November, December, I start thinking through it. Um, a guy who helped found Sojourn Network, um, which is now Harbor Network, uh, Brian Montgomery, uh, sorry, Daniel Montgomery and, and Brian Howard. Brian Howard is one of the Acts 29 high up guys now. Yeah, I think he's right under Matt Chandler is like the vice president of something. He coaches a lot of pastors and church planters and just guys in general. And so he has a thing called a life plan. And so he kind of introduced me to that four or five years ago. And so I began to, when I was meeting with those guys um, I, at, at New Beginnings, I started just going, hey man, you should take this and just look at it, you know? And so it's it's spiritual and it asks you to look at like four or five areas of your life. Men can do it, women can do it. But it, I took it and, and was using it, what he intended for it to be also was on faithfulness. Um, are, are you being faithful, number one, to God? Is there this faithful um, aspect where you're, you're following and abiding Christ. Because if you get that one wrong, then you're probably just going to go off into a whole bunch of stuff that you can do in your own self-will, your own willpower. And so um, about November, December, I start looking through, and there's different areas I kind of look at and go, that one's doing all right, 85 90%. And, and it's fulfilling and it's enjoyable. Man, this one's really dropped down. And what's caused that? Like at a 10 or 15% level. And so thinking through... Um, what matters most, as I look back at 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, just like you guys, many events and many things that occurred, things that I, I would have never guessed were coming our way. 
things I would have never guessed was going to hit our life, sometimes really great things, sometimes really saddening things, sometimes difficult things to walk through. Um, for many people, whatever the goal set before them is, uh, so whether that's um, New Year's resolutions, I want the new, um, the new uh, body, I want the new lifestyle, I want the, all these changes, and so and sticking to those things is sometimes difficult, and sometimes the lack of motivation. Well, if you, if you look at it this way and go, man, it's a faithfulness to God, you also have the, the power of the Holy Spirit to help you, so it's not just a matter of your own willpower. And so um, for many people, What's key to faithfulness is that motivation. So are you thinking through and putting your place, creating an environment where your heart is being reminded, your eyes are constantly gazing at the glory of the Lord? And so if you're in this place where you've been stuck for a while, or it's been a dark, dark season, or it's been a rut and it's been hurtful, man, he, right now, today, he's crying out. I'm, I've never changed. I'm still there. I'm still the faithful one. Soften your heart. Humble yourselves. Open up to that. And so what a beautiful thing for the first of the year for us to, to have that opportunity. And so considering this idea of intentional living, what matters most, um, versus the idea of what I think what we're seeing is um, this idea of just carefree Christianity or, or, or coasting, thinking that I'll do this, the, the minimal amount. And so for some people, that means man, no word time, no true prayer time. So, so like if you, if you just do the little thing, hey, Jesus, I'm uh, Dale, Heavenly Father, I'm going to open your word up and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Help me. Like that's not a heart going, hey, I need to pause and contemplate. Where's my heart at? That's no solitude and silence. That's no abiding. That, that's a check, check mark. And he sees that, right? He, he knows your heart. Are you enjoying him in that? No. You're doing a checklist. And so no word time, no prayer time, no devotional life, no, no family devotions, no intentional heart discovery talks. Our boys get tired because my heart discovery talks are start out with five-minute intentions. They turn into 45 minutes. So they all, they all want to have a timer. And when I, when, if I bring out a sheet of paper, they're like, oh gosh, this looks like a long one. And so um, we joke all the time about these little heart discovery talks. Like, I, I just want to ask some questions and maybe that'll reveal where your heart's at on this matter. Um, no um, abiding with Christ, no investing in other believers, no plans for spiritual growth. And so James, what he reminds us in James is what the scriptures reveal to us is life truly is a vapor. And because of that truth, whether it feels that way or not, should that truth dictate how we live our lives and what we live for? Um, so as you see there, when he says this, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And the key phrase there is, what is your life? Because he's got one thing, one type of thinking on one side and one type of thinking on the other side. So on the front end, what we just read, just, just consider this. Let's reason together. If you have that mindset, just we're going to go do this and this, and there's going to be a bountiful profit. But, but really, what is your life about? And then on the back side, for you, are just a mist that appears. Your, your life is a vapor for a little time, and then vanishes. So based on that truth, what's your life about? And so I would challenge you to think through, 
What, what would James in the word here be, be making me think through? What is your life about? First off, we, we, we must understand that the message is not don't ever start new businesses, don't ever set out to start a new business or make profit or even lots of profit because if you do, you're sinful and discontent. That's not at all the point. So if people are teaching you like, oh, he's saying here don't ever start a new business or don't ever make profit. No, God, that's, that's God's um, beautiful blessing. That's part of the cultural mandate back in Genesis, right? So we're going to go and we're going to build cities and we're going to have commerce and we're going to do things and we're going to have... Um, people that are providing services and, and food, and we're going to partake of that. We're going to trade, and all those things are part of the cultural mandate. That's, that's a blessing of God. That's the goodness of God. God wants us to expand cities and things, and so that's not at all what he's saying. So um, is God the center of all life? That's, that's the thing. Is faithfulness to him and his purposes what we're living for? He just said, remember your passions and desires, they mislead you. So if you go to James at the first part there, you've got to keep um, those verses in, in context. of Look at the first of the chapter. Look at verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have. So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So, so he, he's saying, right after that, he says, you adulterous people. Adulterous to what? You're adulterous to God himself. That's what he's saying. What's your life supposed to be about as believers? That God would be the center of this. So is God the center? Is he what matters most? And then what God would say should matter second? If that's a spouse for you, is that what matters second? Or is it your career? Or your finances? Or your future? Or your security? And so thinking through, what matters most? The new progressive version of Christianity in America is um, two things that's going on. Uh, antinomianism is, is just this idea that I get to live life just like I want to, but I'm going to just say things like, you know, I, I'm blessed. So that's like, you know, when you see the, those award ceremonies where, you know, it's, it's part of a cultural thing where they're wearing whatever, you know, they're up dancing in like dental floss. And then at the end, to receive the reward, I just want to give praise and glory to God. And you're like, what God? Where are we at? Is it like, you know, back in um, Ephesus? Those gods at those temples, is that what we're worshiping? Because that's what I just saw. And then so Antinomian, I do whatever I want to do. I live how I want to live and just blessed, blessed. Just, just want to give glory to God. Like by that? What God is that? And so that's accepted in America. Um, and then the other side of that, so antinomianism is, antinomianism is living like I want, want to, but legalism is on the other side. It's by me keeping my lists. By keeping by me doing all these little things and check mark, check mark, check mark, keeping the list, God will accept me. Two versions in America, and neither one of those lead us to enjoying God. Both of them lead us to the idolatry of self. God, look how good I'm doing. I love the way I'm doing. You should love and accept me too. Or I'll live however I want to and enjoy myself, and God accepts me. And man, we see that in Tulsa. And so both of those things are false idolatry. So then this pandemic comes along, and you see one-third of the church. Um, there, there are different people. This was coming from a blog, but one-third of the people says, I, I want to be back. 
I believe we need the teaching of the word. We need the fellowship. One-third, want to be back. One-third says, you know what, because of what's going on, depending on our state and what's going on, because of others, my concern for others, I want to be careful for, for other people and then for others. And so one-third just staying back right now. And a third have walked away and going, this is really nice. Like, let's get a lake house. Let's buy a couple of sea Let's travel more. This is great. And um, all my friends, uh, they're at 20, 25% capacity coming back. And so um, that's what's being played out on a large scale. Um, the author of James, he sees our fascination and tendency of planning and doing that is done completely separated from God being the center. Um, a couple of noticeable things that, that also come out when you're, when you're living that way. And then when you add something like what we've gone through in this last year, a couple of things that like uh, sociologists, psychologists, probably theologians, pastors, it's popping up in different blogs and different things and different writings, different articles. But a couple of things that has become clear is our desire for control. And so um, two things, control and then our creature comforts. I, I, I'm big on both of those things. I love both of those things. Those, those are big needs of mine, right? And so when they become idolatrous, it's when it falls into sin. And so control. People have realized their need for control or how much they try to manage and control so much in their lives. And this year has revealed how much is actually out of our control. And even if it's like, man, I don't even care about this is ridiculous, this, this thing that's going on, but still we're, we're kind of being hammered on what we can do and what we can't do because of this thing that exists out there. And so, or um, it's actually impacting my life. And so either way, um, the thought of losing control, it just it kind of freaks us out. And I, I know that feeling. <laughs> um, creature comforts. It's also been noted that people have missed some of the simple creature comforts that we've been used to. Um, things as simple as going out to restaurants, um, having and attending parties or family events or get-togethers, vacations, travel, um, relaxation, celebrating graduations, uh, most importantly, college and pro football. And so um, this year at least has, has had huge impacts on all of those areas. And so people feel this loss of control and this loss of creature comforts. And so in the middle of that, when those are removed, how, enjoyment, how, how much enjoyment do you have in God himself? Perfect opportunity to clear everything away and go, it's only you now. And what you're seeing in the church is, yeah, that, that was gone a long time ago. So a great time for all of us to go, man, God, I, I, I need to repent of that. I'm convicted by that, that I have allowed all these little things to happen and to, they've marginalized you and, and those have become center and not you. James' main point is that, the question from James, what is your life? Because from your actions, the way we live, it seems that we think it's all about us and our desires. That's what he started the chapter with. And he says, um, we've got to get out of that type of thinking. We, we need to repent, turn back. We have to see what our practical decisions reveal about the heart, how you're living, and that same idea that those those questions earlier of, of so a man plans his course, but then God is the one who's actually the author of what's going on above all those things. Your very life, the, the core of your identity as a believer must now be shaped by Christ, just like we read in Ephesians 2. Um, our tendency is to allow either our own personal views on life 
to dictate and influence our views of Jesus. So remember Sankey's life plan, Sankey's life trajectory? So here's Sankey's life trajectory, and I've got these plans for once marriage and kids and career come along. Jesus, I need you to come and bless this. I need you to come and bless this now. And so now the next step, here's what I would like to happen. And sometimes that filter become like goggles, and now Jesus is looked at through those goggles. Sankey's life plan begins to dictate what Jesus looks like. Have we, have we seen it in the church through this last year? You seen anybody who maybe their uh, um, political views become the lens through which they see Jesus? Instead of Jesus is going to have complete rights in my political views. Um, relational um, structures, relational um, uh, styles. Some people view that of, here's just the way I am, just this is me. And then they allow Jesus to be formed. Well, I think Jesus would like this. No, no, Jesus tells you what you should be like relationally, and he informs how you should see relationships. So Jesus would be the filter through which we see relationships. Jesus would be the filter through which we see um, culture, cultural engagement, all the different things. Instead of my cultural engagement is going to be the filter through which I see Jesus. And, and that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a paradigm shift. And the church has fallen right into the same category as the world. So um, that's difficult. James presses us to consider the fragility of your life. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Um, there's this idea that we have um, that we, we make, we're really wise, we make good plans, we make good um, assertions, we, we, we have good wisdom, but yet, have you thought through this? In all of your mistakes, in all of the things that you've been wrong about, in all of our blunders, in all the ways that the failures, how we treat people, in all of our sinful um, passions, in all of our sins that we bring to the table every week or every month, in all of the, the decisions that we've been wrong about, um, we still think that we would do a good job at controlling all the variables. So, so that verse earlier, in his heart, a man plans his course. Thank God that there's a second part of that. But the Lord determines his steps. Remember good old Garth Brooks? Thank God for unanswered prayer because of you know, whatever her name was that he had his eyes on in high school, and then he sees her years later, and man, thank God for unanswered prayer. Anyone had those type things? You're like, man, that could have been me. Whether it was relationships or hometowns or whatever, and you're just like, whew, man, this was God's grace to remove me out of that. And so, man, you made your plans, but the Lord determines his steps. James is rebuking the kind of heart that lives and makes its plans apart from the constant awareness of God's grace on our lives. So, um, in a world telling us that, that we are always underestimating ourselves and that you need more pride to, to be able to be more successful, James is doing just the opposite. Your arrogance and your pride are misleading you. Isn't that what's causing you to fight and to, to have all these problems? Instead, humble yourselves. This should be what you're living for.
And so instead of humility and seeing God's provision of ability being the key, and the world tells us that more pride and arrogance and your own self-centered ways, that's what you need to be living for. And so we have the opportunity in 2021 to go, God, if there's some areas that I'm doing that, I may be a little bit of a control freak and a little bit of a control person. I just have these things that I think if I do this and this, hey, God, I'm not going to be lazy. It doesn't mean I don't need to do things. I, I love spending the time praying through, thinking through, and, and doing things. It's, I'll find sheets that I'm doing in November and December for January and February and March. Um, and and, and it, like I'll spend hours upon it, work on different, you know, two hours here, two hours here, two hours here. It may be 10 hours, and then I'll, I'll see it like March. I'm like, just crumple it like that didn't go anywhere. You know, that, that didn't work out. All kinds of things hit. And again, a man plans his steps with the Lord and his goodness is providing this. And so I want to challenge you to think through. Let's be pressed again by the mirror of God's word. What is your life being spent on? What is your life consumed by? What are you giving your life to? Um, at your core identity, you are what you love. You are what you love. And so if that's self, and what people think of me, and creature comforts, control, success, impressing others, you are what you love. And when those things get threatened, you don't handle it very well. But if it's humility, considering others more significant than yourself, thinking through serving others, thinking through sacrificially giving your time, sacrificially giving of yourself, sacrificially serving, all those things, then that, that, that's because you love God and you love others. So the great commandment is being fleshed out. You are what you love. Your identity is found in God himself, in Christ alone, and, and the ripple effects of that is to love others. So some beautiful things there. Um, Ed Stetzer, I think he had done this a few years back. I wanted to close with just these, these things. I'll, I'll put it on the Slack board there. Um, but this is Ed Setzer, and I think that uh, one of those other guys, uh, Trevin Wax, or one of those guys, put this out there. And I just, again, I just kind of take good ideas and tweak it a little bit. Um, first of all, just this idea of what's one thing that you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? What's one thing that you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? So back to those circles, I'm suggesting that you need to land on three or four major things, and one of those being, number one, should be your relationship with God himself. So what's one thing that you could do to increase your enjoyment? Is that a reading plan, a devotional plan? We've got them on the website. Uh, text us, t uh, call me. Um, we, I, I can give you, I've got several reading plans, a prayer or an, and word journals. Some people, taking the, it, taking the time to do a journal forces you to slow down. Best thing for me taking the time to journal, and then you also get to go back and read like, oh, there was no way this was going to happen, and you answered prayer in a completely different way than I thought, God. Wow, how did you do that? And you love him more because of those things in response. Maybe it's a study with some guys or some girls. Maybe it's podcasts or songs. Maybe it's a couple of books. Maybe it's serving a spiritual getaway. But what's the one thing you do this year to increase your enjoyment of God himself? Um, secondly, what's the most humanly impossible thing that you would ask God to do this year. I told you guys a, a while back, just maybe a month or two ago, um, that at our table, we were just trying to go through this 
a few times, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power, his power. No way it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm, the boys want Lamborghinis. It's not going to happen. I just love destroying them and crushing that little idol. And so, Dad, Lamborghinis? Hey, just, just, just a, a model vehicle that's in the new millennial, Dad. Can you get one of those? And so, hey, hey through his power, what if he worked on our hearts? Oh, that's no fun. I don't want to work on hearts. And so, man, beyond all we ask or imagine, immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. What could you ask God to do? What What's the most humanly impossible thing that you would ask God to do this year? Is it your kids' hearts? Is it your marriage? Is it your own heart and things that need to change? Is it God's provision for a new job? Is it God's safety and protection? Whatever that would be. Third thing is, what's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? So again, one of those big marks for me is family. And so um, one of those big things, I want to be found faithful at an 85, 90%. So what's um, uh, the one most important thing that you could do to improve the quality of your family life? Family devotionals? Fun questions at the table? Maybe it's for your family, limiting screen time for everyone. Maybe it's committing to a certain number of dinners together as your kids get older and you've got practices and stuff. Maybe it's um, just getting together and and having prayer two or three nights a week. Um, Saying no to too much, we're we're surrounded by culture. I'm surprised by the parents that have their kids doing this sport and this sport and this sport and this extra thing also. So three to four things just almost every night a week instead of just going, hey, we're going to do, you get to do one thing. God's sovereign. Your life's a vapor. Just because we have you in baseball doesn't mean you're going to the MLB and you're, you're playing football at the same time and you're doing soccer at the same time and you're doing violin and you're in that art class. God is sovereign. Their life's a vapor. Maybe a car wreck next week. You don't have to kill your family just doing all those things. And so some parents, I just hear all the things that they're doing and it's tough just doing one thing with each child. Um, and which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year? And what will you do about it? Is it prayer? Is it word study? Word memorization? Meditating? Resting? Is it journaling? Fasting? Solitude? Silence? So what, what spiritual discipline? Fifth one is, what's the single biggest time waster in your life? Have you ever thought through? I've got two or three things on Pinterest about time wasters. And then I get caught up wasting time looking at those time wasters. So I'm joking. And so um, what is the most helpful way, new way, that you could strengthen your church? And for some time, just, just, it's painful just to commit. It's difficult just to commit to this. Um, maybe it's lunches and dinners. I'm, I'm going to make a, a list, and I'm going to try to get with every single guy in the next three months just to have dinner, just to get to know his story, just to get to know what's going on in his life. I'm going to make a time for us moms or us wives to get together. I just want to know them better. I've been going for three months or six months, and, and I don't even know their names. I want to know, you know where they work, where they live, what their, their story is. Um, for, those, for whose salvation will you be praying most fervently this year? That's a great one. If you do a prayer journal, are you, are you having people's names listed of your neighbors and, and the people around you, coworkers, family members? 
Um, what's the most important way that you will, by God's grace, try to make this year different from last year? Again, I would suggest, if you've never done this, just to think through what matters most. Or if you want to contact me, I can send you one of these life plans that kind of gives you four or five areas of life to, to focus on. Um, what one thing could you do to improve your prayer life this year? Maybe just committing to a time and a place. Uh, maybe uh, planning one week just to make the plans of a prayer wheel. Uh, most time with pe people's prayer life, they, they feel like they've got so much to pray for that we don't do nothing. I do like one or two days, and then I just stop because I feel like I'm not covering stuff. And so it's, take a week just to think through how Mondays, here's what I'm praying for. Tuesdays, here's what I'm praying for. Wednesdays, here's a prayer wheel is a simple way to do that. What one thing you, could you do to improve your prayer life? What if, what if just everyone in the church just did that one this year? Think God would be honored by us actually because prayer is just enjoying communing with him. It's not just a request bucket. It's 30, 40, 50 people spending more time alone with God. What would happen in that? Think he could deal with hearts? What single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in 10 years or in all eternity? So thinking through five seconds into that next life, it's going to be very clear what should have mattered most. And a lot of Christians and non-Christians live with that little circle with all those arrows. And five seconds into eternity, it's going to be very clear what you should have been living for. And so that's what we have the opportunity to, to, to make that decision. And it's not just a matter of us being self-willed and self-determined. So I'm not giving you a whole bunch of, here, go and do these 10 steps. It's flowing out of, look at this wonderful God. Of course I want to spend more time with him. Of course I want to ask him for immeasurably more things that would change me to be more like him, conformed into his image. And to, to do that work that we talked about in Ephesians 2 there, where the work that he prepared beforehand, I want to get in line with that because of who he is and what he's done. If you live that way, guess what? Five seconds to eternity, you find out that's what heaven's going to be like. Enjoying the same God, embracing and enjoying what he's done for me in the past, and immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. I get you face to face. It's just practicing for living out in the new kingdom. So let me close this in prayer. 